Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is being brought to you by the Defy Life Podcast Network. Welcome to Aftergate, powered by the Defy Life Network. Are y'all ready? Aftergate is a podcast series highlighting Colgate alumni of color in their professional endeavors, Aftergate. Are y'all ready? Aftergate is hosted by Alvin Glimpf, a.k.a. Al, and Herman Dubois, a.k.a. Jerry. Are y'all ready? We are doing Aftergate because Colgate University has produced innovators who have changed the world every day, yet many alumni of color and the mainstream Colgate community are unaware of the amazing accomplishments of alums of color. Are y'all ready? Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Alvin Glimp, and I am honored to be one of the co-hosts of Aftergate. This is season two, and we are about to do another amazing episode. So I'm glad to be here, and I'll jump right in and introduce my co-host, Mr. Hedman Dubois. My brother, how are you doing? What's up? What's up? What's up? All this gravy, uh, good, good, ro- good. rocking, rocking, rocking the after gate merch. Okay, ah, which is, which, I see is you. which is a rare thing because uh, uh, we got our first cold front for twenty twenty three down here in Miami at sixty five degrees, and so you know, it's sixty five degrees right now, right now, perfect, perfect hoodie weather. So I get to pull out the you know one or two hoodies I got, and you know enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, all, all is well here, brother. All is well. Feel like you need to do air quotes when you talk about 65 degrees and cold like i just feel like <laughs> well, something was missing right something right. was missing there <laughs> yeah yeah well for miami you know every year we get one little and this i wouldn't even say this is the this is it because we'll get like one or two it's a little uh-huh. early being that we're only in october but there have been times you know it, it's dropped to 35 40 you know for like a weekend and everybody bugs out and then the lizards unthaw and fall out the trees and everybody wow. realizes they come back to life and life goes on it's paradise again you know i've, I've done december 31st new year's eve in 88 degree beach weather so, okay, so now, you know, now you sh- now you're showing off now well no no what i'm saying is that you, know, <laughs> you, 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 t- you 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 take this because you know okay you know you, you don't give a little cold front it mother nature gets it because she can do what she wants but the rest of the year is paradise. So why complain? That would be a humble brag, ladies and gentlemen. And so we're going <laughs> to keep it moving on that. And But real talk, it's, it's good to hear your voice. Good that things are going well, even with the blizzard weather conditions <laughs> that y'all are dealing with down in Miami. Burr. But, but no, all is good here, man. <laughs> Actually, tomorrow, tomorrow we are doing a uh, an event here in Atlanta for Lamar Color. Word on the street. Word on the street, street, October 20th. So shout out to Veronica um, up there making it happen. Uh, we got four events going on, one in New York, one in Chicago, 
Um, no, no, one in New York, one in D.C., one in L.A. and Atlanta. So uh, big ups to her. This is the second year we're doing it. I uh, really appreciate all the energy and uh, engagement that she's uh, leading and helping us through the Alumni Color Organization. So shout out to that. Looking forward to that tomorrow. But let me remind people, Aftergate is a weekly podcast where we are interviewing alumni of color from Colgate to highlight their accomplishments after they've graduated. So um, our whole focus is about amplifying these amazing accomplishments, amazing alumni. And that's what we got going on tonight. Can I get your blessing to invite our guests into the room for this podcast this week? Absolutely. Let's, let's, let's open the doors up and be blessed by her journey. Let's go, let's go. So please, podcast, universe, aftergate, family, listeners, sorry, the one, the <laughs> only, mini Roman class of 1986. Thank you, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. And 65, huh? We have 46 today or 42. Where, 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 where is we? Where, where, where are we calling? New York. New York. Where, where in New York are you at? I'm in Westchester County. So okay. New Rochelle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I'm from, the, I'm from the Bronx, so I know it. Right. I was born and raised in the Bronx, so. Mm -hmm. and, oh. Um, now I'm here in uh, New Rochelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, but I'm not a Yankee fan. Ooh, wow. Ooh, Mets fan? Wow. And as they play tonight in the playoffs. Yes. Right, as right, they play right, tonight. right. I'll right. root for them because I'm a true New Yorker, but. Absolutely. That's how I feel about when the Mets come down and play the Marlins, you know. I might maybe go to the game and only to support my New York brethren, but uh -huh. as soon as the game's over, I say, okay, it's over. Support's gone. <laughs> <laughs> we got some fond memories of going to playoff games when you lived down here in Atlanta. The Yankees, mm -hmm. oh yeah, coming into the Braves World Series. Those were some fun days. Fun yeah, days. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so, let's let's. I was gonna I was gonna ask you out because I I don't have a recollection of. A yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, one of the things we start off, we always like to give some context for our listeners. How have our past crossed in the path, right? So if they've, if us, they've crossed. If they have crossed the path. And so as I was thinking, like, must my first recollection, Minnie, I kind of feel like we've, I've heard your name, seen you as an alum at some point years ago. But honestly, the, what comes to mind as in what really comes to mind is through the COVID pandemic and you being one who was on one of the Zoom calls and was just talking about your experience. And I think that's really where I identified your legacy, your experience on that campus as a standout. And so as we've interacted really since those memories of the Zoom call, as I've been really intent, I'm like, oh yeah, we got to get her story on here. Is because not only as I recollect Oh yeah, she did some stuff and had an amazing story. But like so many of these stories, one, I, I know you've done some amazing things after Colgate that I'm looking forward to hearing. But I don't know kind of your story before Colgate. And so that's a lot of what this is about, why I'm excited to hear how did she become that student 
and then kind of hearing how you became the amazing woman you are now. So looking okay. forward to doing that. Well, thank you. So I know that I've gone through some of the podcasts and looked and, and listened to them. One that stood out was Angel Kelly. So I know you guys are very fond, fond and know Angel Kelly personally. Yes. Um, so I was the US, uh, USB, the, the uh, University Scholars Program. Oh, oh US. Yeah. I was the RA that summer that they were freshmen. So it mm. was, you talked about David Crittenton. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. my baby boy. Uh, Ru Chape was my yeah. other little mm. girl. Kelly, um, Angel Kelly, James Groom. Okay. So all of those were my son. I was a senior. They were freshmen. We all were together all the time. I took care of them. I babied them everything <laughs> that I needed to do to make sure that they would be successful once I left. I feel like this is this is why I love Aftergate because there are oftentimes where we can make direct connections to people who were impactful in our lives and they were impactful in those people's lives. So I feel like both of us, based on the names that you mentioned, owe you a debt of gratitude because you taking care of them allowed them to take care of us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I was so happy when I heard that. And, and, and the name, every name you mentioned. Everyone. <laughs> I, can, I can say, and I think I, I speak for Al as well, were not only instrumental sort of while at Colgate, but still connected in some form or fashion with them in different in different ways now. And that doesn't happen with everybody. It happens with some folk. And for it to be the same folk that uh, uh, you had a chance of, of, of touching their lives, it, I think it, it, it just lends to, to the legacy um, of greatness that I think yeah. oftentimes is under under highlighted, uh, you know, when we have these interviews and we talk to everybody always references someone, you know, whether it was a formal situation like an RA role or a just an upperclassman that kind of showed them the ropes uh, to even the relationships, the, the love stories that we talk about, the Colgate couples that uh, in many ways were inspirational. Um, Ruth is the madrina of my daughter. <laughs> wow. Ruth, so, I, I mean, between David and Ruth, I loved them while they were at Colgate. I know yeah, they're now yeah. in their separate families. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, I've spoken to Ruth um, on Facebook and stuff. And because she was during the pandemic, she was at one of the um, mm-hmm. things that we had. And one of the Zooms. And we, you know, it was like, oh, my God, it was so wonderful. We messaged each other and everything. Um David, I've never. If if you guys can tell David, I said hello or tell him will. contact will. me, share him my information. I will. I mean, David was mm. unbelievable. Um, James and I were very, very, very close, inseparable. Um, mm. to the point where my father 
painted his apartment when he moved into <laughs> the apartment in New York City. Nice. So, and then um, Angel is always Michelle Spikes. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Spikes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were there. You had this one. And, and then <laughs> if I go back and think about legacies, so I know you also did Eric uh, Bowen. Bowen, yes. Well, I'll see so him tomorrow. I, right. So Eric Bowen was the, um, 85, 84, 85. Mm-hmm. And so they were the ones that started Harlem Renaissance. And right. so then we were in Harlem Renaissance and they started We Funk. Mm-hmm. And so we had the We Funk parties. Um you know, and the whole uh, Black Student Union. I was the president of Unidad, what was called Unidad at the time. Um, yeah. So it all comes out. I mean, seeing uh, Nacio Giles uh, at reunion and prior to that, when they did the Men of March, mm-hmm. and I saw him, it was like seeing a God. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh my God, this man that I owe so much to, I owe him being at Colgate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of those things just move on and show us I, I had the privilege um, I knew Pascal Kabamba mm-hmm. at Colgate mm-hmm. he was also the class of 85 we had the privilege of working together in the future for the same organization okay and then what what would that be that I live in New Rochelle they live right outside of mm-hmm. New Rochelle and mm-hmm. his wife teaches at um, Iona College well, she was at Iona. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right yep, down the was. road from me. And yeah. so my son was a student at Iona and she oh, was wow. in charge of graduation when I'm there. And then my wife is a chiropractor and they're patients of my wife's. So, so it's only- the Colgate just goes and goes and inter mingles and, and yeah. all over the place with us. And it's like, wow. So I um, think it's the beauty of it. As we talk about just things happen as they're supposed to happen, as they meant to be, it has taken some rescheduling with you for you to have this interview today. But coincidentally, or like Jerry says, there are no coincidences. Mm-hmm. Episode before you is Teresa Delgado, who we had to rearrange and book and rebook. And then she happened to be available and then bam, then you're next. And again, so everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. And, and, supposed and, let's, to. And, yes. and let's add an exclamation to that because this slot was actually already reserved yeah. by yeah. another AOC person that we've been trying to get on for a while. Um, we've had some prior schedule, they've canceled and then contacted us that they canceled tonight because I think their son had some mm-hmm. major event at school and she was apologetic, but said, hey, she said, I will reschedule. And then that opened up the slot for you. So tonight was your night from Hold on. <laughs> And then we just happened to be on a Zoom call and it's and you were like, hey, Alvin, just want to know, let you know, I know I'm supposed to be on Aftergate, my bad. And I'm like, oh, no worries. Because two days ago, someone canceled and there's a slot. Would you be right. interested? And you were like, let's do it. So let's, let's you know what? I so made sure nothing was going on today. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So let's 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 start from the beginning. Okay. So you graduate in 1986 from Colgate, which means you graduate from high school, 1982. 
Yeah. What high school, first of all? What I went to Herbert H. Lehman High School in the Bronx. Lehman High. Hey. Okay. So you went to Lehman High? No, 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 no he's no, just no, he's no, just pro no. anything Bronx. Anything Bronx. <laughs> but anything I, I, the Bronx. Several of my family members uh, graduated from Lehman College. So mm. Oh, okay. uh, and then Lehman High School, you know, I know about it a little bit. I had some stomping, I had some stomping grounds over there. <laughs> All right. So take us back to that time. What's happening that you remember in the early 80s? What's your life like? Give us a sense of that the world for you or anything in the world globally that you remember to help folks understand what the life is like for you before you get into cocaine. Okay, so um, I'm in high school. Um, I went to Catholic elementary school. I begged my parents not to send my mother, not to send me as a single mother. I said, do not, do not send me to Catholic high school. I will just not do. Um, she said, go where you want to go. I said, okay, Lehman. That, that's where we were actually um, zoned for because it was zoning back then. Mm -hmm. um, we're in uh, Reaganomics. During that mm -hmm. time, mm -hmm. we just got out of the uh, Shah of Iran, had just let the hostages go. Mm -hmm. Carter mm -hmm. loses the election in 1980. Um, other things. So let me just give you a little background on myself. So born and raised in the Bronx. my I was first generation born here. My mother and my grandparents, all from Puerto Rico, came here. Um, my grandmother was an entrepreneur. Mm. Um, and had what I like to call, which she inspired me to go to college and not be a part of this life, but she had a sweatshop. So mm -hmm. we know she was part of that, um, the garment industry mm -hmm. and the Puerto Rican women that went, but she happened to own her own place. Um, my grandmother being a very fair Puerto Rican woman was a uh, blonde green eyes. So mm -hmm. we were, so they came to the South Bronx. We then moved to Casa Hill. That's right. The Jenny on the block, Casa Hill. That same mm -hmm. exact way, but Minnie was on the block first. Mm -hmm. Right. So <laughs> we get to Casa Hill. It's 1965. I'm three years old, two and a half years old. My brother's a year old. My other brother would come eight years later. Um, and we move into an area where it's predominantly Italian and Irish. We're the only Hispanics for miles. Um, and during that time, until we get all the way to 1982, I had already experienced what it was, the racism, but I did not know how to put it into that type of a perspective. So, of course, being called the spick for the first time by the kid down the block um, and going home and saying, Ma, what's a spick? <laughs> well, we know what that was. Mm -hmm. um, so all those things would just be around having my uncle's brand new car painted a different color because we mm. were Puerto Rican. Mm. So all of those things played, we would never, I was saying that to someone today, my grandmother forbid us to sit on the stoop or be stoop sitters, mm -hmm. which was a common thing in the Bronx, but we were not allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. So mm. we go we go to um, Catholic school. We're, now we'll fast forward to the eighties. Um, I'm in a predominantly white school. Mm -hmm. Lehman is in Throg's Neck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so everyone's Italian so this is what I'm always have in front of me that I'm not with a lot of my own but I had a privilege that I can say childhood where 
my father's parents, my parents were divorced when I was uh, two years old. My father's parents always took us to Puerto Rico to know our roots. So I spent every summer from the day I was five to the day I was 18 in Puerto summer, Rico. Summer. School, school <laughs> ended and you went to Puerto Rico and you came back. Period. So mm. now, mm. Okay, so you didn't so spend no, you didn't spend no summers in New York as a I child. know nothing about the blackout in New York. Right. I right. know nothing about I, nothing about the summers. I knew how to ride bikes, swim, uh, you know, do all the water sports, be in the campo. everything that you could think of. <laughs> no, we were actually in the city in Puerto Rico. Okay. Okay. So okay. We were um, in Rio Piedra and Cabo okay. Rojo. So Cabo okay, Rojo yeah. was the campo. Okay. Right. Um, and over there we lived, we lived a life. My brother and I would go every single summer. Now we get to 1980s. And so I do remember seeing Richard Nixon um do his whole Watergate and resign from his position as president mm. in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. So I was in Puerto Rico when that occurred. Now we're in, you know, we had 76, we elect Jimmy Carter, Mr. Peanut Man. We loved him. <laughs> if you were a Democrat, you hated him. Yeah, every it was mixed emotions with Jimmy Carter. We get 80s. Okay, once again, the the the, the history always repeats itself. So we have we we get this actor who's running for uh, office. He wins, and now we got a lot of things going on. I'm in a school that's predominantly white. We probably have about I'd say 35 percent uh, Hispanic, African American. Um, there were so many other things that were happening. You knew that teachers probably weren't too receptive to you. You didn't have that many um, Black and Hispanic kids in your class. Um, but you're trying to go out there and do your thing and be the student judge that you wanted to, that you want to be and you want to be successful. So I did. Um, 1981. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 1981. 19, nope. Yeah, 1980, 1981 changes my life. Um, there was a problem and there, there, we were walking. I was very nerdy. Um, I'm walking to the cafeteria. Some guy pushes me, doesn't realize that he's pushing a girl, starts to hit me. His girlfriend says, you're hitting a girl. What are you doing? Um, they take me upstairs. He hit me in the face a couple of times, whatever it was. Um, they, they send in a counselor to see me. The counselor's name, you want to know? Jeanette Burgos. 
Jeanette Burgos changes my life. Like I said, I was in the Upper Bound programs, Talent Search program. Uh, these programs were geared for students in the Bronx, lower income students that were going to go to, that had potential to go into college, but not to just a regular college, to colleges that they, uh, that were uh, at the top of their game. Um, Jeanette tells me she went to Colgate and she's taking a trip with a group of students to Colgate. I'm only a sophomore, but I'm going to, I'm going on this trip. Mm -hmm. I go on the trip. I fall in love. Mm -hmm. Wow. I fall in love. I'm like, I, I got to go to Colgate. I, I got to go to Colgate. I love it. You know how it is. You go up that uh, sub fry summer and, uh, uh -huh. you know, weekend and you're having a good time and you don't uh -huh. know anything about what's going to happen with the books and everything, but you're going up there. So I went. I decided, you know, I've got to kick ass in all these classes. I've got to make sure that I'm going to COVID. Uh, senior year, when you're applying, um, I was in a, a, a biomed program that had me going to school at Mount Sinai because I was going to be a doctor. That's what I was, was going it, to was, be. Was that, the, was that the Macy Medical Profession program? Uh, that was no, that was the um, Seth program at Mount Sinai. Okay. 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 So, I go, we, it was a great um, year, but there was a counselor there, a man, no offense, white, who said, oh, you know, I was applying to Cornell, to Colgate, um, Binghamton, all the high-end schools, um, Ithaca. He says, oh no, you got to apply to some city schools. I said, no, I'm not staying in the city. I'm sorry. Oh, those have to be a safe school. You're not going to get into Cornell or to um, Colgate. You know, you have wonderful grades. You're at the top of your class, but those are out of your league. You have to be mm -hmm. realistic. You probably won't even get to Binghamton or Albany. Mm -hmm. or I said, okay, no problem. But I'm not applying to city schools. Done. <laughs> so fast forward to that, uh, what, March, April? Boom, letter comes in. My mother nosy as she is, opens it up first. I get home, everybody's crying. Ah, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, you got your letter of acceptance, you're going away. Uh, first, first one to go away to college not, and you're leaving five hours. Have you lost your mind? Right. Oh, I'm seeing you, bye, I'm going. You know, I was able to take it and do this to in the face, rub it in the face of my, uh, of that gentleman who said, Jeanette was happy as can be. Um, and Jeanette was always in touch and she said, you're going to Colgate. You're going to be at Colgate. Don't worry. You're Colgate material. Um, but at the same time, the world is not a good place. You know, we've got a lot of racism going on. We're what? Um, 12, 13 years outside of um, Martin Luther King being killed. Mm -hmm. um, Bobby Kennedy being killed. We're like 20 years from JFK being killed. So things people think we're in a good place. But we're not, because it, 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 I always used to measure it by what, I, now when I think back, I measured about what I saw on television, okay? And um, what I saw on television was, they were great shows, but good times, what was the family poor? African-American living in the projects. Forget about there being some Spanish people on the shows. We weren't looking mm -hmm. at that. You know, we had, we were looking forward to see Archie Bunker every day acting his racist way, and we were all happy at that. Mm -hmm. You know, we were looking at a, a family of six children, the Brady Bunch, and they wasn't looking like my family, but they had mm -hmm. all these things. They came together, so kumbaya is right, you know, and that <laughs> happened. Um, 
<laughs> and then there was another there was another issue I was dealing with. I was dealing with my sexuality. I was I knew that I I had a sexuality not issue but that I was different and I hung out with all those kids that were a little different even if we weren't saying the words because the words weren't as easy as saying them today mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um blessed that I am in my family I had uh three lesbian aunts on the family that used to take me to Puerto Rico every summer mm -hmm. So one of my aunts who was very instrumental in my life would always take us on the weekends where my father did, you know, and stuff like that. And she always guided us and she was a lesbian. And, um, you know, my mother was okay with the situation, with, with everything that was happening. So my family wasn't, but I have to say that I had one of the most supportive families that I always say, God bless me with something. Because I remember being at Colgate, um, you know, 82 and so many, as much as the white community accepts everything, so many of the women that I would speak to who were lesbians were excommunicated from their families. Mm. And wow. so to know that I could go home every summer and my family was supportive, not all of them, but that my mother and my brothers were supportive of me, was in very important so we had sexuality issues we had those people who you know the gays are doing this and then we're coming up uh 1980 i pick up a magazine Avni. it was a science magazine and i used to read it faithfully hmm. i was a sophomore in high school in one little corner there was an article of about five sentences about this new disease that was starting to trend that was only being found in homosexual men and had ties to the rhesus monkey in Africa. Mm -hmm. And that would be the beginning of what I did not know would be a future of AIDS. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I had read about it in 1980. This what 16 year old kid, and I even said to my look, they're saying the gays have a disease now. She's like, oh, please shut up. Just put that magazine, put the magazine. All right, I gotta buy it. This, this month's Omni. So we have, um, economically, the country is in a disaster. Ronald Reagan, and, and if you go back to any of the maroon newspapers and stuff at Colgate, Ronald Reagan was giving out free cheese. And I used to go around protesting everyone they were bringing on the right wing at Colgate and saying, we don't need free cheese. Our people need jobs. So we had, the economics, we have um, AIDS coming upon us. We're also in a place, because this will be instrumental uh, my last year at Colgate. We're also in a funny place where it was eight, 83 would make it 20 years that Nelson Mandela had been um, in prison mm -hmm. for being outspoken mm. about apartheid. So the conversation of apartheid was always behind our minds and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So really there was so much going on outside and within myself that I don't know if Colgate was the brightest part to go once I got there, but it was the place I was. Mm. And I had to start learning how to fit into this new place. Wow. So thank you for all of that. Mm -hmm. um, 
So give us a sense then of this transition. So one, are you part of the OUS program? Well, the scholars program at that time. You come up during scholars summer. Yes. I come up during scholars summer. Uh I'm this, believe it or not, as much as people say, oh, you're big mouth and radical. Um, I was very shy, very quiet. I never knew what it was to stay up late. And I tell people this story all the time. I get to Colgate. I have a roommate. I never shared a room with anyone. So now I have a roommate. Mm. Um, and I don't know anybody. A couple of people had gone that knew each other. I don't know anybody that's going to Colgate. There's no one here and I'm five hours away. Um, and I go to have lunch on this one day. And I used to come in, go to my room, do my studying. And everybody was doing all-nighters. And I'm quietly a week into this uh, in the summer. And I put my tray. They used to have these carts. You put your tray in. I put my tray in. And all the dishes fall and everything breaks. Mm. And what do we do when we break dishes at Colgate back then? Everyone stands and applauds you. <laughs> Ooh, I was like. Oh my God, can the world end right now? <laughs> um, I go back to my room. One of the counselors says, don't worry, it's going to be all right. It happens to everyone. That's the way we react to this. I come back to dinner and may she rest in peace. My dear friend, Aretha Jones. Oh yeah. Says to me, you don't sit alone when we eat anymore. You sit with us. And we became, Aretha Jones was my best friend at COVID. Mm. Wow. And we just always were together. Um, there was someone else, Lourdes Liz. I don't know if you guys ever heard of her. She doesn't really come back to Colgate. Um, and John Ng was in that class, Donovan and Richie mm-hmm. Rivera. Mm-hmm. 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 Richie Rivera. That's why when we go to always go to um, reunion, we're always together, Rich and I. Yeah. So we're, we're, you know, then I got into what Colgate was going to be all about. We were doing the hangouts, the all-nighters, the having fun, studying, making sure everybody was successful. And stuff for our summer went by. Was it hard? It was difficult. It was a difficult time. Um, you had to manage being away from home. You had to manage school. Colgate's not the easiest place. You know, not, you were the top of your class when you were in high school you're at, and in your school, and now you're at the bottom here because, you know, we didn't, I don't know about now, but we didn't know how to write, supposedly, they said at that time, and we didn't know how to do this, and we didn't know how to do that, and so, and then we come back in September, and I wound up living in um, Harlem Renaissance, but it was, I started off at Bryan Complex, um, somebody I had met is Suffrage, their roommate left. So she said, why don't you move in with me? I said, sure. So I, I get into Harlem Renaissance. Um, you know, Aretha's there, Kirsten Dillard, all my friends that I'm friends with in, the, uh, in my summer are there. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm out of this place, bye. Um, <laughs> and we get to um, Harlem Renaissance and the world is an amazing place. But I'm dealing with the fact that I don't know what community I belong to. Mm-hmm. because I'm not African-American. I am Puerto Rican and we have African-American, we have Spanish, we have this. And I don't know which one I belong because everything was always said to be, it was everything was black and white. Mm-hmm. So, and then on the side where nobody's knowing about it, 
I'm dealing with my sexuality too. And I don't even know where to find that community. So I got to bury that community. That community cannot exist for me at all at COVID because there was no coming together. So I had to pick the ones I wanted to be with. And I wanted to be with my African-American and Hispanic community. And that's what I chose while I was at COVID. Fascinating. How was the transition? Well, first, where's HRC at that time? East Are they Hall. still on the hill? They're still on the hill. Okay. They wouldn't go down the hill until um, my senior year. Okay. okay. The HRC was moved to Bryan Complex. Yes. Got it. So it was in East Hall for the first three years. Yeah. Yes. So since we've had Eric on and he's told the story, I'm curious to hear your um, perspective <laughs> on what's the vibe of the campus in regards to HRC, like from a student of, student of color perspective, if you can remember, like how was it perceived, but then even the, the mainstream community, how was it perceived? For the, for, the, for the students of color, we were just have, having our community together. We were just together as a community. We were there to support each other, to help each other, to not become that statistic because so I know to me, I never wanted to be that statistic once I found out that the statistics are that I probably wouldn't make it past sophomore year. We just decided we, we can't have that. So we were there to help each other, to support each other, to have a place where we felt we belong. The rest of the campus, oh, you know, you, you, you guys are always sitting together. Mm. And look, even when you went, you had to travel down to the um, student union to go to <laughs> eat. So cardiac hill was a reality. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we got there, of course, we all sat together because we all knew each other. So people don't understand that part of if you go into a place and you know each other, are you not going to go to the people you know when there are 500 other people you don't? So it's not that you're trying to sit all together. It's you go on to your friends. Mm -hmm. It just happened to be that our friends look like us. Mm -hmm. And you all don't look like us. And you were trying to be, trying to understand why we did that. And then you were saying, oh, you see, they do it here, but they do it outside as well. So we weren't seeing, Colgate had difficult times with us back then. In mm -hmm. 82, 83, they had hard times with us. I mean, I, I, I know who it was and I know the situation, but my year when we got to Colgate, one of um, our classmates, the woman said it was two women. One was the African-American, one was a white woman. And she said, I don't know what it is to be with black people, so I'm not staying here. And they moved her. They moved the African-American woman out. Mm. So we had things like that going on. I mean, people were into, it was a Republican campus, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. But at the same time, we had Angela Davis coming up mm -hmm. and uh, Petey Thomas. And you know, so we had a lot of good things that were going on. But they always saw it as though we were trying to alienate ourselves from the rest of the campus. It's funny that those two individuals you mentioned visited while you were there because they also visited when I was at Colgate. I actually had a chance to introduce Angela Davis. I won our student forum and 
uh, I have photos with and, and Perry Thomas when he came up and did a reading about down these main streets and talk and met yes. with us. And, and, and uh, at that time, it was at La Residencia Hispanica. And it was just right. to know that they were up there while y'all were up there too, is like they were making their rounds and <laughs> they were doing their Yeah, things. no, I mean, Angela came with the big afro. Yeah. I don't know what it was, it's probably tamed by the time because at the end, she, you know, but she when was, she, came she was amazing. The, when she came to speak okay. at our campus, she had dreads. Like it was dreads, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. She had the big app. I mean, she was amazing. Um, P.D. Thomas, I think we had him up there twice. Mm -hmm. oh, um, yeah. With Unidad, we had him there once. And with um, Spanish House, we mm -hmm. had him there once. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's where we were. Um, that's where the world was. That's where we were. That, that was what was going on. And we were always being looked on, looked upon through a microscope. Like, when are you going to mess up? When are you going to do something? Why are you sitting here? You're getting this free ride. Which none of that was true. None of it. Okay. It was not, it, you know, we were there because we, we did the work, just like everyone else. Just our parents couldn't afford to send us to those private schools. When, so, when, you, when you look at your Colgate experience with, with all of that, the academics, the social adjustments, the personal development, what do you sort of kind of classify as your accomplishments or highlights or, or, or points of success by your own criteria? After Colgate? No. During, the on, four years at Colgate, yeah. Yeah, the four years. Oh, there. I mean, becoming involved, making sure that I left a better place. Than I, than I arrived at. So, mm -hmm. and, and that was instrumental by having, um, interviewing all the candidates that would take um, on, that were uh, candidates for the position of the African-American um, position in terms of uh, the African-American studies position, which we then um, chose Manning Marable at the time. So I was one of the students that was on that committee. I also made sure that we, I also, wanted to make sure there were enough Latinos on there in terms of the faculty. So we did that. Um, am I proud of what I'm going to say next or not? Yeah, maybe I am. I used to go to um, George Langdon. Uh, my senior year, I used to go to breakfast with him almost every other day or every other week when he had the president's breakfast that students mm -hmm. can go and voice their and I used to go there just to taunt them about why don't we have more African-Americans, Hispanics, I'm leaving, I'm leaving and how many. Um, he would leave that year and become the, the president of the, um, the Museum of Natural History in New York. I said, I wonder if I should go visit him and have breakfast <laughs> with him there too, so he wouldn't forget. Um, so I think those, it was important for me to have, I've gone through the things that I did to know that I needed to leave a better place for the kids, the students who came, for you guys who came after. I didn't want the people to have to experience some of the things we had to experience. Um, I didn't want women of color to have to go to a women's studies um, class and constantly say, where are the African-American and the Latino women? Because I went and I did it with Aretha Jones, and we were like, oh, "This curriculum curriculum doesn't cover African American or Latino women. Can you can you get me one book about them? Because I can name a couple." <laughs> um, you know, so we needed to grow. Um, I needed to grow. I grew. I became politically aware that, you know what, 
the the uh, assimilation that my grandmother was doing was not where I was going ever. Mm. Okay, because that was not going to happen for. Me. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, I needed to be there. I knew that I would have to take my fight outside of Colgate. I knew that when my senior year, we took over the administration building so that Colgate would divest from um, South Africa. South, South Africa. Africa. So they were using our scholarship monies and monies that were being um given to students scholarship, they were investing that money in South Africa so they can make the most and the best on their returns and then offer scholarships to students. Well, you couldn't offer me a scholarship that you were taking from um, the racist ways and, and, and the injustice that were occurring in Johannesburg. So those were the things that we did. Um, and we, you know, I had support of faculty at Colgate. I had wonderful support. Um, Rhonda Levine was oh, yeah. my was my world. I mean, Rhonda Levine was my advisor. She, you know, she's retired now, so I don't I don't care what I say. She would tell me what was going on. She would educate me on the things that were going on, and I'd go out there and implement that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. she was a great asset to our community. Mm. If it wasn't for Rhonda, we don't get Manning Marable, we don't get Lourdes Rojas, we don't get a lot of people who were at Kobe. So I think you were a soul and major. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I don't Manning, like to say so and I only like to say sociology. Yeah, me sociology, too. But not the anthropology part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I was gonna ask, Manny Marable comes when in your time there? Um, Manny Marable was there my junior and senior year. Tell me about, so, he he leaves maybe our freshman year. Like he leaves yeah. pretty early in our tenure. Yep. Help us help listeners get a sense of who he was on that campus and kind of the role he played. So Manning gets to Colgate. He is definitely too radical for Colgate. They, they ain't ready. Lives. They ain't ready. And, <laughs> and I think more than Manning, his wife, Hazel, she is, forget it, she's wearing combat boots <laughs> with a dress or a long skirt or something. They're just not ready for this. <laughs> I mean, Manning is just, you all know, to the left of everyone, um, except for people like Rhonda Levine. 
Um, they were courageous in the SOAN department to have hired him first so that then that the African-American studies program would come under SOAN, not poli-sci, because the poli-sci department did not want him. See, people don't know these insights. We got him into the um, to the SOAN department. Mm -hmm. And Manning is teaching us, I mean, Manning's waking up in us that dormant, quiet part that we just want to explode with. And he's teaching us the insights of Nelson Mandela. He's teaching us, you know what? You can't be a racist because you're Black. But don't white people out there, don't, they're racist. For us to be able to explain that to others and say the uh, oppression that they impose upon us is what makes them a racist, not the fact that we're of different colors. So it was it was all African-American and Hispanic students in his classes for a while. And if you're required to take the class because you know it fell under one of those requirements, then you'd get a couple of them but not a lot of times. And as he progressed um, and he told his story and he really got involved with the students and was always, we always knew you're lucky that he was even there part of your tenure because when we interviewed him and we saw his credentials and we were able to discuss this with the faculty that was on the committee, we understood that Colgate was not a place for him. Mm -hmm. That it was really a hard place for any. Um, at that time, we called ourselves minorities. Mm -hmm. um, or And then we went on to people of color two years later after I got there. So people of color were not going to survive at Colgate, not in Hamilton, New York. Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, I say, how long do we get them for? How long do we get them for? He lasted longer than I, I really thought he would. Mm -hmm. um, he was too radical for the campus. He was. That um, under the tenure of uh, George Langdon, he was hired, says a lot for the university. Hmm. But was he respected? He was because, you know, he was a scholar. He wrote so much. And factual writings, that's something he's making up because he wants, no, he, he had a lot of insides. He grew up, I don't know if you guys know, very, very well. He was from money. Oh, no. Manny Marable had tennis courts and everything and grew up money and then became radicalized as he went on in his academia. So it, it was a place that we were able to see someone so successful and so wonderful who could relate to us and was older than us and could teach us to move on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so he inspired me as well to be able to say, we got to leave this place better than the next ones. And I hope that we did for when you guys got there. That's and I awesome. hope that then you guys have left it better for the next ones. Yeah, there's so many similarities in just the philosophies that are being passed down. Even um, the, those mantras of, you know, you can't be racist or this idea that leave this place better or take care, you know, all of these things that you are, you don't know where they come from. You're just accepting the blessing. 
the good thing about us doing these conversations is we really can connect some of these dots and see how the 70s were looking after the 80s and the, you know, and it's just like, bam, bam, bam. People are just passing it on this culture of if you're in this community, this is how we get through this. Tried and tested. So um, one last question before we go to break. You graduate in 86, same time around Alumni of Color organization is created. What's your memory or get, tell us that story of the why, the how, just what do you remember about that? Leroy Potts and I um, were good friends at Colgate. We still are good friends. Um, Leroy comes up with this idea and him and I actually speak about it with James Grooms as a freshman. We were the three that actually spoke about this together. And Leroy said, I said, Leroy, it's a great idea. It's really a great idea. We need an alumni to see where we're going. Now, you know, um, we had nothing. We, we, we had people that came back, um, but we didn't have that connection the way it is now, the way what I see now. Mm. Um, and so Leroy says, I want to do this. Maybe it'll go nowhere. It's a great idea. I think we need it. I think we need to be a part of it. Um, and he flies. He flies. And then um, I leave Colgate and I, not because I had a bad experience, but I just need to find myself within my own community at back home. It was a hard, it was hard leaving Colgate. So I have to go back now in this place where I've got to go live with my mother again, which I adore my mother. I've got to go be with a brother who's 14 now. There were so many things that I've got to do and I've been independent now for four years and now I've got to go back to where I came from. And it was hard. Um, and I guess in some way I was angry. I didn't want to come back to Colgate because I really loved being at Colgate. It was difficult, don't get me wrong, it was very hard. But I still loved that whole academic learning, that whole fighting, that whole wanting to do something to make a difference. And so I thought that the alumni color was a great thing, but I did not become involved. Wow, okay. So we gonna stop right there, take a pause and come back to finish up part two with many after we take a break for our sponsor. So this episode is sponsored by Hope Murals. Hope Murals is a nonprofit that provides adolescent youth with an interactive experience of creative expression via an urban arts platform that stimulates both mental and physical development. Please visit their website at www.hopemurals.org to learn more and find ways you can support the work they do. Welcome back, welcome back. This is part two of After Gate season two. We are here with many Roman class of 1986 and looking forward to finishing up the conversation and learning more about her story. But before we do that, let's make sure we thank our sponsor. You just heard Hope Murals, all they're doing to help our youth as they expose them to urban arts, help them with their development. Check them out, hopemurals.org and on uh, social media at Hope Murals. 
show them some love. Show our network some love. The Defy Life Network at GoDefyLife.com. Show them some love. They got some really good content on that site. We also have the network has a podcast hub. You can check the podcast hub, DefyLifePods.com. You can find a lot of other dope podcasts on that network as well. So, so as we jump into the second half, Minnie, I really would love for you to touch on a subject that you um, touched on a little bit in the first half. When I talked about remembering you on a Zoom or reflecting on that, I, the topic of the experience for an LGBTQ person was the Zoom conversation. And it has really been an amazing journey for students who are LGBTQ, right? So the journey is something I would love for you to talk about. Give us a sense of what it is like from your perspective from when you were there to what you're hearing the experiences now, because there's been amazing progress. I'd love for you to talk about it. So you're right. First, I want to say that there has been amazing progress, even though some students say, oh, not enough. Um, getting to Colgate, being LGBTQ, and saying, what do I do with this? Um, as much as I love my African-American community and my Hispanic community, we are not the most, we, 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 at that time, we suffered from homophobia it, severely. And I never felt comfortable as coming out and telling that people can tell, ah, you know what? Different shapes for different folks and whatever it was, but I knew that um, that was something that could not come out. And so during that time, it was a time where hiding it was okay because I wanted people to accept me. Now, um, Aretha Jones didn't know about it. We went to Puerto Rico. We stayed with my aunt who was a lesbian, who is a lesbian. And um, that's when I came out to Aretha. And Aretha was like, I don't care. You know, I accept you. You're my friend. Um, I just don't want it to be difficult for you at Colgate. I said, it's okay. I'm good. Everything I'm doing, I'm good. Um, I left Colgate knowing that, you know, this is weird. Colgate and having to deal with all these issues about my sexuality at Colgate, but not with my family because my family accepted it, but I was concerned about being accepted by others. First time that I was concerned about, oh, you know, I used to be like very much either you take it or you leave it. That's who I am. But for this, it was a little more because I had heard of a lot of incidents on campus, um, people getting beat up, people getting hit and hurt and stuff like that. Um, so it wasn't something. And the other problem I had was that the female community and the male community in, in the white community, in the Caucasian community did not come together any ever. So LGBT white men had their separate things, LGBTQ white women had their separate things, may none of them ever come together. And I had a problem with that because I loved my brothers 
Latinos and African-American. I loved my sisters. I wanted us all to party together. And when I used to come home to party at the Palladium or any of those places, we all party together, but we couldn't do that at Colgate. If you were LGBTQ and you were part of the community, so I chose that was not a part. Because just because I am a lesbian, I do not hate men. And that was something back then that people, oh, you, you like that because you hate men. No, just who I am. Um, and as I've seen this go on at Colgate over the years, it's just gotten better and better. It's just been like, wow, you can be out at Colgate. You, you know, more of the African-American community. When I go back and I, I visit, it's like, oh, I'm a lesbian. Oh, I'm bi. Oh, I'm tr I'm like, whoa. I said, somebody, I'd give anything. And then when I heard they had, um, um, what is it, gay studies or LGBT studies? I'm like, I went to Colgate the wrong, at the wrong time. I was born in the wrong century. Oh my God, what is this? You people don't even realize what you had. Women's studies was big for us. And then the pandemic happens. And Veronica McFalls happens, which I knew at Colgate, loved her at Colgate, and reaches out to me and says, would you be on the panel? Sure. <laughs> what else do I got to do? I'm sitting at home on in the pandemic and it's online. We don't have to go to Colgate. Okay. And it's about um, LGBT then, now, and whatever, in the future. And there are, so the first, it was a long time. It was a long um, week of it. And the first episode was about Drag 101. And I was like, what? Was it, what does that mean? Colgate, Drag 101 at Colgate? Okay. So three people get on. They're actually transforming themselves on the screen as we're like the three of us are here. They're transforming themselves. Like, and they're doing a show. Wow. And they're like, oh, yeah, we had drag queen shows up on the campus. I, I call, I won't mention the people I call because I don't out people like that, but I called a couple of people that were at Colgate and I said, okay, would you believe that they have Drag Queen 101 and that they were doing shows? And they were like, you're lying, Minnie. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm telling you, I have it here. I saw it. <laughs> and then I come on. It was like, it was crazy. I was like, no, you're lying. I'm, no. Then I come on to do my whole thing and we spoke and I saw what it was in the 70s. I saw what mm. it was in the 80s. And then I saw what it was in the 90s and where it's gone to now. And the acceptance is so amazing. And that our communities have accepted and nurtured and have decided that we still are all one. And that is the beautiful thing. No doubt. And I think that that's something that we should truly applaud um, because Yes, sexuality and race are not the same, but if you're accepting one thing, you have the potential then to be an environment that accepts everything. Are there all other, is it perfect? No. Are there always gonna be issues? Of course, but that is such a great thing. And I would give anything to be at Colgate right now and tell somebody, what did you major at Colgate? Oh, uh, LGBTQ studies. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I want to be 20 again, 18, and just do that. And and I see how people on Zooms and they're running our organizations. Oh, yes, my wife, my girlfriend, I'm like, my boyfriend, my husband. I'm like, oh, wow, I can now say my wife. Thank you, God, for that. So I think we've come a long way in terms of that. Uh, we can't stop the fight, especially in the in the times we're living right now because everyone's trying to take something away from us. But that I have seen that transition is amazing to me and gives me a lot of hope. And to see that Colgate has the first LGBT president is an amazing thing. And he's a wonderful, Brian Casey is a wonderful human being. Yeah. So that panel was very powerful and there were people on there that I was on campus with at the same time. And to Lisa, my awareness, they were not out. And so as you talk about how unaccepting and how people had to hide, you know, I was pretty sure, but you never know for sure unless you know for sure. But mm -hmm. at the time, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do remember thinking at the time, like, how hard that walk must have been. Mm. I mean, I'm someone where someone came out uh, to me as a teenager. So I'm 16 when a very, very close member of my family lets me know, hey, Alvin, I'm gay. And so I came to Colgate with that awareness and empathy to a certain extent for the experience. But I think for me, it was more about not making their life harder than really being an advocate and an ally for their mm -hmm. everything being mm -hmm. everything. Um, but thank you for sharing that and thank you for sharing your perspective. What I would like to talk to you now about is you graduate Colgate 1986. If you could walk us through what's life like after you graduate professionally, like give us a sense of those different stops in your career from graduation to how do you get to be the person you are now? Okay, so um, I graduated from Colgate. I don't know what I want to do. I, I do know what I want to do. I want to be a police officer. And after wanting to be a doctor, I want to be a police officer. I take the police officer exam. What happens? I pass. My mother, typical mother, begs me, don't do this. You went to Colgate. Do not do this. I think about it. I think about it. Mm. What else am I going to do? I don't know what else I want to do. Um, I decide, okay, I'll put that on the burner. And um, I'm going to be, I'm going to go and be a teacher. I got an idea. I'm going to go teach. Take the test, pass the test. Um, get your temporary license. Go on to teaching. Um, so I say to my mother, okay. I don't get to get a gun, but I'm still going to go work in the South Bronx, in the heart of the South Bronx, Banana <laughs> County. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go, you know, I'm not going to be a police officer, but I'm going to do this. And, and the police department did go out and recruit me because you have to figure 1986, how many women had college degrees wanting to enter and pass mm -hmm. the test. So they were recruiting me all the time for like four years after I said no. So I wound up getting a job, South Bronx, um, a school where... All the abandoned buildings were around us. Everything mm. is collapsing. 
everyone is low income. I was placed in a classroom that was a fourth grade Gates class. The reason they called it a Gates, not after Colgate, but they called it a gate is because all the kids in there were about 14 years old and would not um, be allowed to go to the fifth grade because they didn't pass the reading exams. You said they were 14? They were 14 in the fourth grade. Mm. So New York City Public Schools, the wonderful as they are, have placed this gate on them and were like, poof, lock them in. So I get there. They tell me, oh, you're going to go to this class. All you're going to do is teach math and reading. Okay. 17 kids, 17 little misfits who became my 17 angels and made my life a difference. A, made a difference in my life from the day I started to the day I went, to, uh, the day I um, finished my career. I'll never forget them. Some of them are not alive. Some of them have been killed. Um, but they came in typical of what you see on those movies, laying on the chairs, laying on the desk. We're going to do this. What do you think you're going to teach us this year? You're not going to teach us anything. We'll be here next year. Okay, we're going to learn. And they did. And I was successful in getting five kids in January to go on to the fifth grade because they went up to the grade level. At the end of the year, no one was left back. Everyone was sent on to the appropriate grade level. Nice. Wow. I stayed at this school for 10 years in the South Bronx. I ran up the crack houses to get the kids out. I ran down the crack houses. I went to find you if you were to come to school. I took you to play ride Playland where you thought that was, you know, in another country. I took you to the movies if you did well in the class. I I did everything that you that, that should not be done as a teacher. Don't catch yourself in the car alone with kids. Don't do this. But at that time, I didn't care. I was young. I had the energy. I was single, nothing. I was going to do for these kids. I was going to make a difference in their life. Once again, it was that whole nurturing thing. I needed to make a difference in their life. And um, at that school, um, I, I was there for about 10 years. Um, it was time to go on to another position. I went on and I wound up not... I did get the position, but I wound up not taking the position because of a whole, whole bunch of uh, political things. So uh, that doesn't even have to be discussed. And I, I had gone to Catholic school. I did not enjoy Catholic school. Um, teachers were abusive and racist and everything and Spanish and, and black children should never have gone to Catholic school during that time. They, they were laughed at and all. It was only for Irish kids and Italian kids. And I decided, you know what, I think I need to go teach at Catholic school. Not going to make the money, but I'm going to make the difference in the lives of these kids. I'm not going to let anybody treat one of these kids again the way. So I get to the Catholic school. Um, I'm a teacher for about two years. I was often in an assistant principal's position. I take the assistant principal's position and um, the Monsignor and I become very good friends and he says I'm getting rid of the principal you're my new principal um, I'm like are you kidding me during this time I have to tell you that the politics were Obama was coming into office soon and um, my first year as principal he nominates the Supreme Court Justice a Latina a Puerto Rican woman. Mm -hmm right from the community that I am the principal now of the school. Mm. 
and she's the alumni of my school. Oh, wow. And so the New York Times, as I'm, look, as I'm here sitting with you guys, I'm looking at the articles that hang in my um, office. Um, the New York Times comes that summer to interview. What do we feel about um, this person having sat in these seats here and her mother really couldn't afford for to go to Capital School, but she did and then she was from the projects, all of that wonderful stuff. Um, she gets appointed and she's gonna come back to the community and she's gonna come to my school wow. and meet the kids and be there. And I'm gonna have to present her to the staff. She's gonna attend mass. Um, we're going to do all of this, present it to the kids. She wants to address the children and all. So that all happens. Um, we become very good friends with the Secret Service. It was like mm -hmm. I, I appeared on 2020 with her. Mm. Just a lot of things that occurred during this time. Never losing sight of the fact that I was there for these kids and I was making a difference in everyone. I mean, I don't have a kid that would not say, wow, you were the best because they even contact me at this time. So go on, Supreme Court Justice, that was probably one of my greatest things. She comes uh, two years later, 2013, my school is one of those schools that was closed at the Archdiocese. Um, and we move on and that's a very difficult thing for me because now I have to leave these 180 families. We have to close the school, where do we send them? My own family members were attending the school as well, my nephew. Um, so it was a devastating time. Um, it was a deep depression. During that time, I also in 2009, right after um, the Supreme Court justice comes in there, I get diagnosed with MS and life starts to change. Um, I meet the most wonderful person in my life in 2007. We get married in 2012. Once again, I'm back to the point of Colgate. If anybody at the Archdiocese finds out I am married to this woman, I get fired on the spot. And we're looking at 2012. My wife is the carefree person and says, I don't care if you get fired, we're doing this. Okay, we do. We move on, all these things. They closed my school 2013, a year after I'm married. Um, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I go into a deep depression. Mm. I do not know at all what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to to the point where I'm, I might just want to stop living at this point. Um, I get a job as the uh, instructional specialist, which is right under the superintendent in schools. I start to make an impact on the lives of teachers who are educating students. That's how I come in touch with Pascal. And we, we um, revisit uh, my friendship with Teresa and um, things start to happen. Um, I'm about to, be, I, I was, I had a possibility of being appointed as the uh, superintendent, but I got really sick and couldn't do that either. And then I say to myself, okay, they tell me, listen, you're the best troubleshooter in the world. You, the kids love you, the families love you, let's do this. We need you to take over school, put it back on the right track. And I say, okay. I started my career in fourth grade. My best years in my life were teaching students. You know why? I made an impact on those little minds. I, I helped them to change. I became them. I 
knew about the sneakers they wore. I knew about the video games they played. I knew about the computers they were doing. We learned everything together. We taught them how to read. I taught them how to read and write and everything, but I also taught them how to be a respected person. And if you respect me, I respect you. And I had a great communication with my students. So as um, I decide, I, I don't like being an administrator. I hate it actually at this point. Mm -hmm. um, I hate adults. I don't like them. I only like children. And I used to tell people, I used to tell parents, I don't like adults. I only like children. I know it sounds weird, but I, that's all I can relate to the children. You guys are too complicated. Mm. Um, while I'm at the school that I took over, I put it on track and stuff. I say to them, someone's coming out of retirement. I want a position here. And I go back to the fourth grade to teach. Wow. And I end my career in the fourth grade. I loved every single minute of it. I, it was the best experience. And to know that I still, that I get letters every day and kids texting me and calling me and saying, I miss you. Can you come, one kid said to me, can you do like um, Michael Jordan and come out of retirement and then you go back and you no. Know, and when I get graduated from the school, you come back and then you can leave mm -hmm. them. And that's okay, that's what we can do. <laughs> no, I can't do that, but okay. Um, but this was the most rewarding career I ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that I gave back to the children and I protected. During my tenure, I had people who were racist. I had people who were abusive to students. I had people who were horrible. And you know what? I stuck up for every single kid because God says we're good to our angels. And they are the ones that will inherit this earth. And that's what I truly believe. And I needed to make a difference the way I needed to take care of David, Angel, Ruth, James. I needed to take care of my Matthews, my Michaels, my Nicholas, my Sasha's, my Anisha. Mm -hmm. So I needed to take care of those kids. And I did that for 31 years. And in the interim, I met the Supreme Court Justice who has invited me to her home, who has said, rolled out the car for me, who the uh, Secret Service gave me a badge, but I'm not gonna go around like, uh, what's his name, show my badge. I'm all right here, okay. Uh, I, I can't even remember his name because he gets me crazy. Herschel Walker. <laughs> yeah, Herschel Walker, right. I'm not going to take out my badge and show that. Oh, I have a Secret Service badge because that is if I if she's ever somewhere and I want to get in, I show the badge and they'll let me in. But I'm not a Secret Service person. Got it. Got it. Got it. You know, but <laughs> it was an amazing feat, and I got to do and protect the kids that I wanted to protect. I needed to go and make the Catholic schools a better place, and I believe I did because they needed taken care of. That's an amazing uh, just sort of tribute to the, the journey of an educator. And that has come full circle because I don't think I heard too many people have the opportunity, despite the fact that it was the ways that you rode and the circumstances of life that happened that allowed you to come back and end where you started. That, that's, that's pretty, I was, as I was telling the story, I was thinking to myself, could I, could I, could I do that? Uh, I started my career as a high school uh, teacher in an alternative school program where I had 
some special ones, let's just say. These, I'm 22 years old out of Colgate and uh, teaching 18 and 19 year olds who are about to age out of the school system. And it was the hardest and the most fulfilling job I've ever had uh, in my life. But yeah, could I do it now? I don't know. I, that, that's, that's some bravery, that's some courage. <laughs> I, was, I was like full of energy, but really did not know how deep I was in. But I just had this the desire and love for these kids to give them a shot that nobody would give them. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't. I, it's like I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> no, but anyway, it's true. yeah, it's which, true. Which, and, and, and I always loved the underdog. Yeah, that's that's a good. I always loved the underdog. I don't. I, I hate to say it, but I don't believe that I had enough to offer to a gifted and talented student. <laughs> but I had a lot to offer <laughs> for that little runt. I had a lot of nurturing to give to that little oh, runt that no. I needed to grow. <laughs> but the gifted and talented kids, they, they, we used to say, and you're, and man, you're in, in education, so you would know, you know, those kids were the ones you could put anybody. I right. can put this canister and it'll teach them how to. <laughs> yeah, they'll become excellent right, but right. it's that little you know runt that you need to help and those are the ones I've always been attracted to those right. are the ones that just push me to another level that's what's up right. with that being said um, if you had a chance uh, at 82 when you're graduating Lehman High School hold on, hold on. You pause on my end. I'm not sure. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's, let's rewind. Rewind. So like, am I good now? Am I coming okay? Um, if you had a chance to go back in time and back to 82 and uh, reconnect with the mini me, the mini mini, and, and, and with what you know now, give her some words of wisdom, give her some advice. Um, what would that sound like? And, and what would be the same for the mini graduating Colgate in 86, about to enter the world? Uh, what would be the words of wisdom you would you would share with her? In 82, I would say, do not, don't sell yourself short. Mm. Be true to yourself and who you are. Uh, in 1986, I would say there are going to be a lot of challenges, but believe me, you are going to face each and every one of them and you're going to make a difference. Mm. Okay. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> that's, that's, dope. that's dope. Yeah, 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 yeah. So final question is really just an opportunity for you to plug, share any initiative, any opportunity or organization that you want to put out into our Afrigate universe as a way of getting the listeners, the audience, this community, an opportunity to support anything you'd want to put on the table? Um, I don't have any organizations that I really would say that right now I'm working with. Um, I do do my own things for like uh, MS that I contribute to and cancer and autism awareness because believe it or not, I have MS. My wife is a 20 year cancer survivor, breast cancer. And my son is a autistic savant. So those are the organizations and the things that are dear. And when we go out there, that's what we look to help in whichever way possible. Um, 
And I believe that we should all have that opportunity to either help someone in that situation, see, and not judge others. So that I have organizations, I always say, I've given myself, I've given to cancer, I've given to, because I gave my wife and I gave my son to other, but that we have an, uh, that I have an organization, I can't say. I do have an organization that, no, it's not an organization. I do belong to an auction place. It's called, I'm going to plug them right now. What not? They're online. They're a, uh, 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 live streaming auction um, house. And um, I actually auctioned what, I know the people on the podcast won't see it, but I uh, was a Funko pop collector and a, and a, and a toy collector and retro video games. So that's what I do twice a week. I auction mm. on Ooh. this um, thing, uh, on this uh, whatnot um, website. And there are times where we do auctions for autism awareness, breast cancer, cancer survivors, and um, MS. So anybody that wants to join, it's an app. It's called Whatnot. What and you look not? for Spanky 63. Any final hey. words? Any final words before we jump off? My final words is I am so honored to be in the presence of you two gentlemen. And that I am so happy that the nurturing I did to my little ones also touched your lives. So that means that I've touched you. Yes. You've touched me in doing what you're doing. And you need to keep these stories going because we need to hear them. Blessings. Amen. Yes, man. Amen. Yes, Amen. Yes, yes, yes. And the church said, Amen. Amen. It has been awesome. I'm, uh, like I said earlier, it is happened in the true way it was supposed to happen. And that has been the essence of this podcast from the beginning. Things just happen the way they're supposed to happen. So this has been another episode of Aftergate season two. Thank you to our guests. Thanks to our listeners. Aftergate is always powered by the Defy Life Network. So make sure you check us out in the future for more dope podcasts. Find us on any of your favorite podcast streaming platforms. Make sure you subscribe or like when you come across our show so that you get alerts when we release on Saturdays at 1300 hours. So remember, Colgate of your day is not the Colgate of today, and it's certainly not the Colgate of the future. Peace, family. Yes, sir. You hear that? Listen closely. That, my friend, is the deafening sound of focus. It drowns out all the useless noise that can clutter the moment. Naysayers don't exist. Haters? Smaters? The peanut gallery? Who's that? When you're in your zone, all that noise and all that buzz is just elevator music. So, enjoy your journey, focus on your goal, and bask in the quiet roar that is progress. Because when it's your time to shoot that shot, spit that verse, or close that deal, the only voice that matters is yours. Five life.